Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham Henley, Henley Reading, Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The Voice River Radio of the Thames Valley You're listening to The Sports Show on River Radio This is Extra Time This is the, the, the sports show. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. That's right, we're back with me, Will Taylor. And over the next hour or so, I'll be talking you through the biggest talking points in the Thames Valley and beyond with co-hosts Maria Sapsinos and Sam Setti. Join us as we get stuck into another episode of Extra Time. This week we hear from Mainhead United assistant manager after their loss to Stockport last night, as well as hearing from Wickham Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth. We'll also be talking to High Wickham Cricket Club captain Dan Miles and diving into all the hot topics in the sports world. So join us for all of that and much, much more on this week's Extra Time. Good evening, everybody. That's right, we're back after a small hiatus. River Radio's Extra Time returns, and I could not be happier about it. I'm Will Taylor, of course, as you heard in the introduction, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by two wonderful co-hosts back again tonight. Maria Sapsinos. Maria, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks, Will. How are you? It's been, it's been a long time since I've been in the studio, and it's, it's a great feeling to be back. <laughs> it certainly is. You know, I, I, my, my, I wasn't sure if the, the words were going to come out of my mouth at one minute past six just <laughs> just through fear of not doing it for so long do you know what I mean it was a it's it's been a been a sort of um an interesting process but one that I think uh sort of helps us get our stuff together and ready to go all over yes, again most definitely. we've 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 missed loads of football which is why we're going to we're going to get stuck into tonight Sam you're obviously back joining us again tonight in the absence yeah. of the wonderful Ed Tarleton who can't be with us tonight where is he well exactly Sam where is he that's where a great question he? and it doesn't really matter well exactly <laughs> <laughs> glad you said it how are you mate you okay I'm very very good. I'm so happy. United lost yesterday. Can't be even. I can't be any happier. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Obviously, it's worth mentioning as well. I was going to. I was going to touch on this um, with Liverpool. Best wishes, of course, to Harvey Elliott, who's uh, who's in quite a, quite a bad way with what a did you see, broken leg, isn't it? Did you see his classic retort to the Man United fan? I did see that. Yeah, absolutely. So a Man United fan basically was taunting him about being, you know, his broken ankle and classy else. as always. Man United and, fans. Yeah. Uh, he just simply went back, yeah, I've got more cups, more legs than you've got cups. <laughs> In the last eight years, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was basically, I've only got one leg working, but I've still got more cups than you. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly was. It was um, a, a very quick, quick comeback from him. And uh, a class act as well, it's worth mentioning, um, obviously, of course, with... Uh, they, he, he didn't believe it was a red card to to um, the Leeds player who got shown it and he's, he's come out and said that which is a really nice touch um, yeah. from him good sportsmanship and all that sort of stuff Maria you've been busy lately haven't you you've been um, well you're, you're a away yeah you're a away. you're a globetrotter aren't you yes. you've been you've been scouring Europe um, sort of in the hope of a, of a Commonwealth well we, we play, can hopefully. hope so it's a year <laughs> just under a year away and, and the process kind of starts now after Covid and the postponement of so many things but yeah Hopefully, I was. I think it's been mentioned a few times on the show. I was at the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Were you? Uh, really? Yeah, ju- just no. about. I think it was only mentioned once or no, twice. I don't perhaps. think you ever. You never. You certainly never wore a kit or anything. In here oh, either, so. well, 
Well, now you all know the well, secret. Yeah, there we go. The secret's blown, <laughs> to be the honest. Out now. The bag, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we. Uh, I've been away in various countries, mm-hmm. Serbia to be one of them, uh, playing for England again, and yeah, kind of in the hopes of uh, playing again and hopefully getting that bronze medal up to something else really. Absolutely yeah you of course have the European Championships coming up in not too long at the end of September as well don't you which will be really good for you to get stuck into as well. Yeah we just qualified as well that was out in Serbia which was really great because we didn't qualify for the last European so really looking forward to going out there and and kind of putting that badge back on after so long and and getting the team all together because at the Commonwealth it's all about the team spirit as well so the more team matches we can play which don't often come around the more we can rally together get behind each other and kind of push for those medals awesome I mean to be honest it always makes me feel a little bit worse about myself hearing you talk about things like this because I look at Maria's been in Serbia you know the European qualifiers for the for um for England table tennis and I've and been, you've I, been sat watching Ronaldo play for Man United <laughs> to be completely honest. It's it's one of those things it really does sort of knock the confidence a bit. But on we go, on we go. I forgot how demoralizing this show was to be completely <laughs> honest, but we move on. No, of course. Um Sam, obviously an exciting time exciting times coming up for River Radio. Sort of a lot of plans um for us going forward, isn't there? Yeah, no, it's great. We we've got some new funding in place, so you'll start to hear a lot about us in marketing terms. We've got some great new shows. Even after this show, we have an interview with Keith Hackett, the original Premier League referee. So it's a new show that we've launched called The Old Spice Boys. Mm. Uh, We've had interviews with Harry Redknapp while you were away, Gary Lineker, David Platt and uh, Joe Royal. So they didn't fill us with any better names then. I no. <laughs> it's not like we've got much to follow now, is it? I suppose. Yeah, so while you were away, we had, a few, yeah. we had a few people fill in for you, you know, just to keep the ball rolling. Um, and I think next week is Ian Rush. Okay, brilliant. Great stuff. All right, not, not much and to follow. And when you can then. think you feel any more demoralised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sam comes up with that. So it's, this has been extra time on River Radio. It's been a, it's, it's a great run again. Next, yeah. the old Spice Boys. Yeah. <laughs> can you play that earlier? Um, no, it's. Uh, no, uh, it, that's obviously great to listen to and to, to get that sort of insight from those sort of people is uh, not something you get very often, is it? But um, obviously plenty of insight for us coming up this week as well. We're going to be talking to, um, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking a little bit about Maidenhead and Stockport County, that game last night where unfortunately the Magpies have come to a 2-0 loss. Oxford United against Wickham at the weekend, it was 0-0. Um, not too much to talk about, but I'm sure Ben will have plenty to say about that. They've obviously got Manchester City away in the Carabao Cup next week as well. So... Um, I'm sure Ben will find some way to make that positive, but I, I really, I, one of the questions I want to ask him is, is it going to be three or four that's like, or more, you know, it's just, it really is a question of how many I think for that one. We're going to have a little, little bit of a chat about Reading as well, who um, have had some cracking games recently. On, on the return of Cristiano Ronaldo, funnily enough, John Swift in midfield tried to outdo him by scoring a hat-trick from midfield. Against, uh, against QPR they were 3-1 up with 10 minutes to go and still managed to draw 3 all. so I'm sure we'll get stuck into that one as well uh, I've had a chat with um, Dan Miles as well who's High Wycombe um, Cricket Club uh, that was I mean they, they just won the league against Henley as well which is just you know and they've, they've been pretty dominant for the last few years so that'll be, that'll be great to get stuck into but um, yeah and of course Maria you're going to get us stuck into uh, everything that Radicanu's done as well aren't you? yeah the hot topic section <laughs> coming up at the end all my tennis knowledge Spilling out for all of you. <laughs> first billion dollar, they reckon first billion dollar tennis player. Wow. You think? Really? They reckon wow. she'll hit 150 million this year alone. Wow. In endorsements. I mean, brands are falling over themselves now to associate. She hits, 
she hits the ball, ball well that wouldn't be a good analogy I was going to say if she hits the ball out of the park that'd be, that'd be out <laughs> that wouldn't be very good she keeps the ball in the court and wins like she has done yeah. I mean she's so marketable you Look think at, it's dependent though on her ca- continuing to win well it didn't hurt Sharapova she never won anything and then she got <laughs> a, a, a billion endorsements Fair so comment. I don't think that matters so much but I think with with the way uh, Raducanu is, I mean, she's she's you know multicultural, she's multilingual, she's representing Great Britain, she's attractive, she's young. I mean, the whole package is just perfect for brands, and you know all it's going to be is very careful management by her parents or by her agent, whoever, to make sure she's endorsed by the right people. I mean, Nike have already been all over her for her, uh, they want her, so there's going to be a bidding war between her and and all the others now. Um, it- it really is no shock, is it, to see someone, and it's incredible to see someone so young doing something so good. But I'm sure we'll get stuck into that a little bit later. Any, anyone, a uh, little bit later on, anyway, I should say. You can tell I've been away for a few weeks, can't you? I mean, it certainly is great to be back here on River Radio, though, with such a strong panel with me as well. But since we've been away, we've obviously seen a few of the Thames Valley clubs kick off their football season. Starting off with Luke, local side Maidenhead United, who were in action last night, falling to a two-nil loss to promotion hopeful Stockport County after a goal from Adam Rooney, brother of Wayne Rooney, funnily enough, and Alex Reed. The club media officer Grace Scott caught up with assistant manager Ryan Peters after the game, and she started out by asking him exactly what he made of the result. It's hard to hard to really say at the moment. Uh, the idea was, after Saturday's uh, loss, was to come here and really put on a show. And what better way than against a big side like Stockport? We started okay, um, but the first sending off has really dictated the game. After that, we held up for as long as we possibly could, but then the second sending off has made it virtually impossible for us to get back in the game. Gaffers applaud them for their efforts when you get down to nine men, but essentially we haven't been good enough for the last two games. What has the Gaffers said? Obviously it is a tough evening for everyone involved, um, from the coaching staff to the players themselves with every, everything that did happen. What's the Gaffer sort of said after the game? Um, again, like I said, he's applauded them just for being able to carry on going when they're down to nine men, but essentially he said we are nowhere near where we need to be at the moment. Uh, there was lots more to do, although we have six points on the board. The manner in which we're playing is just not where we need it to be right now. So there's going to be a lot of work done on the training pitch to get to a level where, regardless whether we're down to 10 or not, we're still in the games. We don't like to dwell on decisions, and it was a disappointing evening, but the supporters were really loyal this evening, and they could be heard all around the ground right until the final whistle. How important is that, and how important is that going to be to put this game to bed now and move on? Yeah, I can only thank him, and I can't thank him enough. Uh, we're down to nine men, we hadn't touched the ball in a while, and you can just hear our, our faithful still screaming ahead. Off, which is which is amazing. Um, I can only apologise. We weren't able to give them a little bit more. Um, performances will change. I can assure them of that. And fingers crossed, when they're singing next week, it'll be because we've won the game. Every game in this league is obviously tough, and it means that we've got the trip to Notts County on Saturday. How will you pull the lads together and prepare for that one now? Yeah, it doesn't get any easier, but we probably need that right now. Um, going to a team where everybody expects us to lose, uh, but we know in the dressing room uh, we won at their ground last season. That'll be what we look back on and um, go to their go to their ground with a a win, hopefully. And just a quick update on injuries. Obviously, a few players that couldn't take part this evening and Sammy Barrett coming off the bench. What's the situation in the injury room at the moment? Yeah, Sammy and Uppy are a little bit off still. We managed to get him a few minutes today, not in the best circumstances, but we're not going to be able to get the best out of him for a couple of weeks still. Um, some of the other injuries, Dan Sparks, Josh Smart is still up for the foreseeable, so there isn't much to tell on that front at the moment. No worries. 
an overall an overall disappointing night for the Magpies then as they fell to defeat, especially after seeing two men sent off as well, which is very sort of unlike an Allen Devonshire side, I would say. Sam, of course, it's disappointing for them, but not too much can be read into that, can they? There's still plenty to look forward to for them. Yeah, I mean, another one of their losses uh, was, of course, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, Will? <laughs> I, was, I was hoping someone might bring this up. Yes, it was. Yeah, we, uh, um, my team, as it's been well documented, especially after we lost the playoff final, Talk United went away there. Um, I think it was t- not last Saturday, the Saturday before. You'd think you might have planned this question. You, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? You'd have thought so. Um, no, it was, uh, it was, and that, that was interesting because um, it was party time for us there. We were 4 0 up at half time, uh, and by the 70th minute, it was 4 3. So we were we had our backs against the wall for the last twenty minutes, despite being four 0 up at half time. Wow! But really interestingly, I, I I was um I know it's one of those one of those things where obviously a team can't be brilliant if they're four 0 down at half time naturally. But I thought they were really unlucky, and they were they were hands down the better side on the day. So I really don't think there's too much for them to worry about going forward. Really, I think um, it's it's one of those things where they 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 work well. They they seem a well drilled side. I mean, it takes a lot of. I mean, say what chat all day about how bad defensively Talk United were but they're going forward you've still got to put three goals away and they could have had five or six genuinely I mean it feels you know I obviously caught up um, on one of our first shows with Danilo Orsi who just moved on to Harrogate Town they were really missing someone like that someone just to the, the, the final ball was there but there was just no one to stick it in stick it in the back of the net and I think that sort of cost them a little bit but still you know to, to score three goals is, is no mean feat so, so fair play to them but yeah they're, they're, they've got a lot to look forward to it's, I think it's just about sort of consolidating and it's it's just so competitive in the National League this year. Yeah, well, just how competitive do you think the National League is this year? Oh, well, it's 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 mental. It's I I've I've never known it this competitive certainly. I mean, obviously you've got um Ryan Reynolds and I can never pronounce his surname. Rob Rob McKelney, Howdy. Yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. We'll Rob go, McKelney. We'll, I think that's we'll right. Run, we'll, we'll run with that. Um, yeah. uh, he he. Those two um, recently bought Wrexham, so they they are uh, and they've spent a crazy amount of money trying to get out of this division. So much so, um, the National League actually paid for a Hollywood sign to be put up in Wrexham that says Wrexham. So it's in the same same style as the Hollywood sign that says Wrexham. So, you know, when, when, when you say they're throwing money at it, even pointless things they're putting money up for. It's but, pretty um, pointless. That. Very pointless, yeah. It's, it's an expensive PR stunt, isn't it? But um, but no, so they're, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Notts County obviously decided to steal half of Torquay's squad, so they'll naturally be up there as well. Stockport, a very strong team. Chesterfield looked good from last season. And you've always got the teams like Bromley, Borehamwood, even Maidenhead, that although not having the most money in the world, are very, very well-run clubs and will be there or thereabouts anyway. So there's there's a lot to it. It's, it's most it's genuinely. Um, I'm not mentioning. No, notice I'm not mentioning Torquay in that due to <laughs> due to that horrible I start I had to the at season. Least six reference to Torquay yeah, through that yeah, segment. No, no way. No, I'm not mentioning Torquay in the in the competitive nature of the National League this year. But there, there's there's so much there this year. It should it should make for a fascinating watch for a neutral. And Maidenhead, unfortunately, I don't think they'll quite be. There yeah, but I don't think they'll be too far off. No. And obviously, they've got Notts County who are unbeaten this Saturday. Do you think um, Maidenhead? We can expect to see them bounce back and kind of challenge a little bit more this season. Well, bizarrely, um, Notts County is that they're one of the only teams that Torquay have actually taken points off this season. We beat oh, we, we, Torquay again. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's, it's a national league club. It's relevant, Maria, whether yeah. you like it or not. So, uh, <laughs> no, but but um, I, and I wasn't that impressed with them, having seen them. To be completely honest, um, it, it seems like there's a uh, something yet to click. But obviously, they they seem to be doing fairly well. Something seems to be going right for them. They've they've 
emphatically won quite a lot of games, but they seem to be quite leaky at the back as well. Um, a, a side like Maidenhead can't ever be written off against a bigger team. I know obviously they, they didn't beat Stockport, but there they, they just seems to be something in and around that club where they just love a giant killing. They love to beat a club that are technically sort of bigger than them. Um, so I, I don't see why they can't um, why they can't go and get a result there, but it, it won't be. It'll be a very tall order. But um, it, it, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? It's still such an early stage of the season. There's 40 games to go. A lot more matches. A to lot be more. Played. A lot more football to be played. So it uh, all all remains to be seen in that sort of side of things. I think. Yeah, most definitely. I think we're all looking forward to more matches to come. We really are. It really is a long season, um, which can make it even harder to read into those early results, of course, um, especially with as many as 40 games to go. As I mentioned, there's plenty of time for Alan Devonshire and his team to turn things around. Uh, moving on uh, up a couple of divisions as well, I suppose, we turn our attention to the chair boys and how they've started in League One, following on from a nil-nil draw with Oxford earlier this week. Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley Reading. Reading. Okay, Ta-da! the voice, River Radio of the Thames Valley. An indifferent start to the season for Wickham Wanderers then this year, with three wins, two draws and a loss as they sit ninth in the League One table, maybe expecting to be a little bit higher. Following on, obviously, from the spoils being shared last weekend against Oxford, we had, our, uh, we had the media officer Matt Cecil catch up with Gareth Ainsworth after the game on Saturday, where he started off by saying it's a good result with their previous record at the Kassam. Gareth, we've seen some boring nil-nils in our time, but that wasn't one of them, was it? No, um, and the last two times we've been here, you know, we've been on the losing side, so I thought that was, uh, after Sunderland last week, or two weeks ago now, um, it was important you know, to stop the losing run. Uh, we've done that, um, and I thought first half we nearly did it in style. We had some real good chances. I thought we were a better team by far. Um, and caught Oxford cold maybe with the formation um, with what we were trying to work on we were trying to frustrate their passing game a little bit um, and with our fans getting right behind us it, it was awesome you know I really did think we're, the goal was coming um, second half you know they uh, the players had a little bit of an argument amongst themselves I think it coming off the pitch and, uh, and I think that must have spurred them into some some uh, desire and some real you know um, you know they, they obviously had a, had a good chat at half time and come out with a bit between their teeth kicking towards the home fans wind against us uh, they gave us a good goal for half an hour you know and, uh, and they had a, a lot of possession they had some good uh, through balls in there but never f- breached our final line which I'm really proud of you know I thought Anthony and Tafazoli JJ and Jack were brilliant today and, and Stocker of course I kind of leave him out you know um, comes for things and saves things and s- stops crosses you know and, uh, just a, a real all round good defensive performance but when we did get our chances second half we just didn't make it count with that final ball, that final pass. I told the boys, they'll be few and far between. Watched the Birmingham Derby game last night. Derby had 67% possession. Birmingham beat them 2-0. Um, we almost tried to model ourselves a little bit on that today, let them have possession and spring counter-attacks. Um, almost worked, but didn't do. Uh, and then last 10 minutes, I thought we could have got one off a set player or, or a breakaway. Um, just short of that, um, but really proud. And those lot over there they were they were awesome the fans were just brilliant um, they'll go home happy because it's a point away from home at a team that's been in the playoffs for the last few seasons I think it's a good point I think they'll be there and thereabouts again I think Carl's a good manager I think he's got a good team here and um, I can say we uh, we entertain at Wickham in a few months but um, at the moment got to pick the boys up now and uh, Charlton wow another great club to come into uh, to Adams Park next week so can't wait for that and uh, 
thanks for all your support today. Yeah, you mentioned the fans then. By the time we played Cheltenham, it will have been a month since the last home game against Lincoln because of the Ipswich postponement. Wow. The fans have been all over the country in August, Exeter, Wigan, Sunderland. But the importance now of getting people down to see what this team is about. It plays some good football. It's had a great start. Um, it must be all guns blazing now to, to put on a show next Saturday. Yeah, I mean, we've got different styles of playing, you know, and, uh, and today was soak it up um, try and counter you know a little bit like we used to be uh, today I thought that was the right way to go today um, just short of a goal but definitely the clean sheet has paid off um, but when we've got this three at the back you know we seem to we seem to play some real good flowing football going forward we're getting the wing backs involved so yeah got um got plenty to think about which way we're going to play next week and uh, and the boys are up for anything the, the, the best thing about these guys is whatever I say they will get behind me and do 100% you know if it goes wrong it is my fault because I'm asking him to do something specific I'm pleased today we've got something out of the game Um, next week I'm sure it's going to be as entertaining you know we've uh, we've got a couple of players coming back from injury we're going to have a real strong squad I think Dominic Gape will be involved uh, at some stage next week and uh, and like I say Charlton Athletic this was uh, was a Premier League club an established Premier League club coming to town Um, get behind us just show what this club means to you guys because that was lot today. We couldn't have done this without you. Thank you, and uh, can't wait to see you next week. So that was uh, Gareth Ainsworth there talking post-match after a 0-0 draw for Wickham Wanderers away at Oxford United. A disappointing result, but one they don't seem too gutted with at all. The club uh, also caught, off, caught up with defender Ryan Tafazzoli as he kept another clean sheet from the heart of defence. Taff, another strong defensive de- performance and a personal really good performance as well happy with the clean sheet yeah always happy with clean sheets um, do you know I never really felt like we were going to concede today to be fair we could have played for ages and I don't think we would have conceded it was just about being a little bit more ruthless in the uh, in the final third and trying to nick one I think maybe we could have done a little bit better on set pieces today I could have probably tried to get on the end of uh, one or two more calls a little bit more I'll be a little bit more of a threat but I think calling all nil-nil is probably a fair result. And there was that sort of derby atmosphere today. What was Gareth's message going into the game and then at half-time when things were starting to get a bit feisty, let's say, out on the pitch? Yeah, he said, look, just stay level-headed, um, stay concentrated, don't get distracted. They're going to have the, the crowd behind them. They'll probably have a bit of momentum in the second half, which they did, to be fair. There were times that we had to just stay resolute, um, stay focused on the job in hand, and, um, and I felt like we did that. And obviously Oxford did have uh, fans out in full force, but so did Wickham. How much of a difference does that make, having the fans travelling this? Yeah, um, oh, massive difference. We've heard them all game. Uh, they were literally the 12th man for us today, so that was brilliant. Helped us get through at a time, especially when there's eight minutes at the end, um, which went up. And I thought, all right, come on, let's see this, this one through, try and nick it. But I think the momentum swinged our way after that. The fans were massive for us and... We, we nearly nicked it right at the end. I think Wills or Tulsi could have got on the end of the of the last one, the little flick. And um, and yeah, it was great. Fans, fans were amazing. And uh, so it's another point on the board in a tough League One. Uh, we take on Charlton next at home. That'll be your first home game in front of fans for a while. Looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an exciting one. Um, Charlton, big team in this league. Like you said, every game's going to be tough. But um, with our fans, you know, there and they really help us so any anything's any game's winnable for us. 
Brian Tafazoli there speaking to Wickham Wanderers in the uh, in the post match post match reaction to drawing with uh, Oxford United away at the Kassam Stadium. There was obviously a lot of mention to fans there, which is really nice. Um, who who seemed to really make a difference that day and seemed to make a lot of difference for Wickham. Full stop. We're not only joined by a fan of Wickham Wanderers on the line now. We're joined by our roaming reporter as well. It's the one and only Mr. Ben Green. Ben, how are you, mate? You okay? Hello, Will. I'm not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Just making sure we're getting you through the system there. Let me just double check. I think we're all okay. Yeah, um, so uh, just obviously, there was a, there seemed to be a real sort of hope you'd be towards the top of the table after six games this year. Um, but was there, was there a thought, do you think by now, you'd, I know it's only six games in, was there a sort of hope you'd be higher than ninth, do you think? Um, well, it's hard to say, really. I mean, at this stage of the season, there's so many teams in and around the top, I'd say, one to 15 spaces that are on the same number of points. I mean, Wickham are out of the playoffs at the moment, but they're on the same number of points as two or three teams in the playoffs. And I think playing a game less than a couple of teams above them also, you know, has had a say in that. Um, I think if we had played that game, we could easily be second or third. So I'm, I don't know what other Wickham fans feel, but I'm pretty happy with, with the start the team have made so far. Hi Ben, uh, nice to have you on the line again. Sam Vokes seems to be a great acquisition as well. How vital do you think he'll be for this season? Yeah, he's, he's slotted in really well. He's if you, if you had to ask someone what is a Wickham striker, it is Sam Vokes. You know, he holds, you know he holds the ball up well. He's not got a lot of pace, but he brings other players in. And, and when you've got wide players like McCleary, Kai Kaikai, and Dale Horgan, then it kind of it kind of blends in nicely. What I would say is you definitely could tell he was maybe a yard off the pace the first two or three games. Um, but, you know, he scored a couple of goals already. He was unlucky on the weekend. I think the Oxford keeper made a brilliant save in the first half um, from one of his shots. I think he's going to get chances and a player of his quality at this level, he's guaranteed to get goals if we can just get the ball in the right area for him. Definitely, I completely agree. I mean, I think I think it really was one. Of, I think it really was one of your better sort of signings. I, I remember when I saw, it, I certainly was was quite impressed by it. I mean, taking away for you know, sort of going back a little bit in typical style of sort of a Gareth Ainsworth team, you look really strong at the back, and you look like you're going to be a hard team to beat this season. As I mentioned, obviously you've only lost one so far. I mean, is, do you think that's going to be the key for your progress this season? Because it's all right scoring two goals, but if the opposition scores three, it's a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all starts, isn't it? I think we've got a brilliant goalkeeper in David Stockdale. I think he's arguably one of the best in the league. Very experienced. Um, having Ryan Tafferzoli come back into the squad, you know, he's he's got to be at least six foot four, six five, and, and that height at the back four is crucial. The problem for me is, you know, if we can keep the players fit, it's fine. But if a couple of the key players at the back are injured, that's when the problems are exposed. I think at Sunderland, we're missing a player, Anthony Stewart, and we can see the three. If we could have just got one more in, one more centre-half in, in the window, I would have been a lot more confident because the starting back four are really solid. But when one or two go, that's where the holes are exposed. Well, it's still a long season to go, 40 games ahead of you. Um, I want you to stick your neck on the line a little bit now, Ben. What do you reckon? Wickham getting promoted? Yeah, it's a tough question. <laughs> I, I want to say, yeah, like the fan of me says, yeah. I think, a, a great, like I said this on one of the shows before the season started, playoffs is a realistic target. From the teams we've played so far in and around the top half, we haven't 
you know, we lost to Sunderland, we drew a Wigan, we've drawn with Oxford. The better teams in the league, we, we haven't necessarily blown out the water yet. If we can beat one or two of those convincingly, it's going to give me the confidence that we can maybe finish in the top two. But I still think the playoffs is where we're going to finish. I think there's teams that have spent a hell of a lot of money. And we still, even though we've come down from the championship, we still can't necessarily compete with that. So, yeah, I'd say in and around the top six, if we can get a couple of players in January, maybe another defender, that will give me the confidence. But I think the signs are really positive so far. I think Saturday against Charlton, I expect us to, to get another win. Splinters on your backside from sitting on the fence there, mate, I'm afraid. Yeah. Not good enough. Not Sat good enough. Sat on the that. fence massively there. <laughs> um, just, just the last question before we let you go, mate. It's obviously you just touched on that game against Charlton next week. Obviously, you, you said you're expecting a win from that. So, so I mean, just a bit of reasoning behind that. And I think next Tuesday, you play a small team from Manchester that play in Sky Blue. What, <laughs> what are you sort of thinking of that one? Four or five goals? I, I think I'd be really happy with a 4 or 5 1 defeat. And I think we can do that. <laughs> Genuinely. Just a goal. Just a goal. <laughs> yeah, so one goal and, and a few goals to see. You can't complain with that, I don't think. I'd be really happy with 4 1. <laughs> just keep Jack Grealish quiet and you'll be fine. Um, just touching on that Charlton game, of course. Um, they haven't had the, the best start to the season, have they? And they were expected to do quite well. Is that genuinely a game you, you look at and you're going to be looking at this season, games like that, thinking we need to, not that we want to win that, not that it would be good to win that, but we need to win games like that if we're going to be there or thereabouts? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I actually looked at who Charlton have played so far just before I came on the air. They've had a couple of really hard games um, against some really good teams. So maybe their position is a little bit false and I don't think they're going to be fighting for relegation at all um, come the end of the season. But given the start they've had compared to what we've had, like I said, if we can beat a good team at home especially, it, I think it will give the players the confidence they can continue beating these teams. Because there's so many good teams in League One this year. You get, at some stage, you're going to have to beat one if you want to be in around that top six. So, yeah, I think we'll win, but I think it's going to be a really, really tough game because Charlton are better than they look currently. Certainly. I think, I think you're absolutely bang on, mate. Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure with uh, having you on the line and hopefully we'll see you in the studio sooner rather than later, mate. Top stuff. Cheers, guys. Thank you. So our Roman reporter and resident Wickham expert, Ben Green there, giving us a bit of an insight into their last game at Oxford and uh, sitting on the fence like I've never known before, <laughs> bless his heart. No, a really, really top bloke with a, with a lot of knowledge. Plenty to be excited about, uh, plenty to be excited about as the potential of a promotion looms for the chairboys and maybe another shot at the championship after last season's disappointment. But Charlton and Man City, of course, loom for them next. Up next, though, we're going to be chatting all things Reading as the Royals played out a humdinger of a game on Saturday against QPR as well as as well as, as well as grabbing three points against the posh last night. Welcome back to Extra Time on River Radio as we're discussing all of the football results over the last few days. Reading, of course, as I mentioned, played out a great game for the neutral on Saturday as midfielder John Swift tried his very best to steal all of the spotlight from Cristiano Ronaldo on his return to Manchester United, grabbing a hat-trick against QPR from midfield. But it wasn't quite enough for them to grab all three points due to a late surge from the hoops. They did manage to overcome the posh last night after a brace from Tom Dele Barishu and another from John Swift himself. 
They're quite an unpredictable side, though, Reading, aren't they, Maria? Yeah, a little bit. You, you just never know what you're going to get <laughs> from them. <laughs> you can turn up, it can be amazing, and then all of a sudden it just comes back on you like that, and you're just like... What's going on? Yeah, honestly, the, I remember I was I was sat watching the sat watching the scores come in on the Saturday. Um, I, I couldn't quite make it to the Reading game, <laughs> and I was I was looking at it, and they, they were three one up with ten minutes to go, and I thought, oh, that's great for them, that's brilliant. Yeah. And finally, it's been a horrible summer with the transfer embargo. There's been there's been things flying around that that haven't been certain. It's not been the most sort of ideal start to the season. Thought brilliant, they're finally going to get back on track. I've checked ten minutes later, and it's three all. So it was unbelievable. So it really was. Weird. I was walking through Reading in the morning as well and um, Queen's Park Rangers fans were in full voice which I imagine sort of helped them over the line as well I mean just moving on well, just I mean I mean John Swift yeah though. that's exactly yeah, what you're going to say I was getting four four goals in two games that's just how good is he looking at the moment oh, oh well he's just the thing is I've always I've always thought highly of him I, I believe I think I saw him on loan when he was playing at, I think I can't remember what side, what side he played for before Reading but he was on loan in the lower league and I, I caught him playing and I remember watching him thinking, this bloke looks good. He yeah. looks the real deal. And that was that was a few years ago. And I didn't really hear anything of him since. And then he's quietly been playing his trade at Reading, doing what he does best, just keeping himself under the radar. And then he, but he just has these explosions of moments of, of being special. And it, he, it, there's not many players that you can say in the championship as a whole, because it's, it's, it's a very sort of a, it's a team centric league where you won't see many special individual performances. A lot of it will come from being good at the back, being good in midfield and being good at attack, good at, good and good in attacking sort of three different sort of sections but John Swift for me is a real sort of exception to that rule and four goals in two games for a striker is a great stat (laughs) it's a great stat you know if you saw a striker do that you'd go that's unbelievable from midfield where you know and and Reading they've got Lucas Zhao up front who's a very very capable striker they've got great players that you know that sort of come off the wing obviously got Tom Delibaris who I mentioned who, who grabbed himself a brace as well the, the one problem I sort of had for Reading this season is I didn't know how many goals they were going to score and that doesn't seem to be a problem. It's at the other end where they're leaking them in a little bit, which Let seems to be a problem. Come in. I mean, it's been a long slug for them in the Championship for quite a few years now, hasn't it? Do you think we... I mean, how, how good would it be, not even just talking about Reading, even though it's obviously the most likely, to have a Thames Valley side in the Premier League sort of flying think, the flag? I think it would be unbelievable. I remember that, what was it, 2012-13 season when they were Premiership? Yes, I had a yeah, season so. ticket at that point you? as well. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> Right there, front row. Yeah, know. of course you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as soon as they were off, I was like, "Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Reading, don't know." Oh, them. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but no, to compete against the Premier League sides is is unbelievable, and yeah, I think it would really, really do some bits, kind of, for the area and for the promotion of football here as well. Obviously, we've got some great sides: Wickham, Maidenhead, Reading, obviously, all battling for it. But I think. Reading in terms of getting that promotion, it's just the financial struggles and the the problems that they're having there. I think if they can they can get those sorted and and get a few more transfers going in and maybe a, a couple more defenders, then kind of the process starts from here and they definitely have the opportunity to. They're a big enough club. Mm, they've definitely. got the name. They they've got a new sponsor. You know, mm. times are changing for them, and I think definitely they can kind of make that progress and. I think everyone from from the Thames Valley area would love to see a, a team in the in the Premiership, but obviously there is a lot of uncertainty. Of course, during the transfer window this season for Reading, but I mean they're still 
pretty good in business, aren't they? They've done pretty good business. Yeah, yeah. I think it got lifted just a, pretty much a week before the season started or even just after the season had started um, just for them to sign a couple of players. And they made three or four acquisitions that I thought were, were really good. And it's just such a shame for them. I genuinely think it is because, as you mentioned, it would be brilliant to have that side in the Thames Valley sort of um, flying the flag in the Premier League. I really think it would. It's a, it's a massively upresent, unrepresented area for sport. And we've spoken about it before, how you see these all these amazing athletes and things coming from not obviously not including you in that but you know all these amazing <laughs> athletes coming Me an in athlete. yeah never heard that one <laughs> no, um, all jokes aside but you know you, like yourself you know you go into a commonwealth games you're flying the flag for the area and we've seen it at the olympics with with so many different people we see, we see it in in all different walks of life so i think it's about time we we had a sign in the premier league but their, their business has been good um it has been good and I, I i think there's there's plenty to look forward to they will of course be looking to build on a strong results uh, when they last night when they beat obviously um Peterborough 3-1 and they face high-flying Fulham on Saturday at 3 o'clock that will not be an easy game at all but best of luck to them next up we're going to be talking through the end of the cricket season and a very proud moment for high-flying Wickham Cricket Club You're listening to Extra Time here on River Radio and it's time to talk about local cricket as High Wycombe Cricket Club ended Henley Cricket's dominance of the, on the final day of the season of the Home Counties Division 1 when they overcame Tame to win the Home Counties First Division. Earlier in the week I caught up with their captain Dan Miles and he started out by telling me just what it's like up at the club. I joined Wycombe about four years ago. Um... A brilliant club. We uh, got uh, Saturday. We're on five teams, which is really, really good. And and the cult section. Um, I mean, there's there's loads of kids playing down there, which is fantastic. In terms of the social side, the, the club's pretty busy every night. On on the playing front, uh, the first team are in, obviously in the home county Premier League and won that this year. And then we've got the twos are in. I've been in Div One, and, and it kind of filters down from there, really. So yeah, so it's a really strong club. Lots of good cricketers there, and and the social side's brilliant as well. I suppose a congratulations is in order, as well as High Wycombe obviously crowned champions of the Home Counties Division 1 last Saturday. How big of a win is that, especially after the last 18 months for everyone? Brilliant, mate. Absolutely brilliant. Because, you know, like you said, it's uh, it's been a tough a tough 18 months for a lot of people. And, and that was the same with the cricket club, really. You know, the amount of money they, they've lost out on in terms of, you know, functions at the bar and, and money in that taken. So it's been a really tough year. And there's been a lot of good people behind the scenes putting the work in to get you know any cricket on let alone the fact that this you know this last six months we've actually had, you know be out of a drink down there which has been lovely you know we did play cricket last year it was really funny and never really felt like it was you know it wasn't very settled you know you couldn't really enjoy it and there was probably eight games etc and I mean I know as a club we, we, we weren't allowed in the bar you know we had to sit outside and have a drink which is which is you know they did brilliantly to do what they did but you know this year and to go and enjoy cricket like you said for a lot of people and see the stuff like the hundreds on the TV that it's, it's been a massive year for cricket and um, you know for us it was it was huge as well to to go and enjoy playing that again because you know it's what we worked so hard for for the last two years as a club is to, to do what we did so it was a you know brilliant season and yeah, last Saturday was you know going to the ground knowing that you, you're going to win a game and, and if you win the game you win the league and then obviously Henley versus Finch and so for me for my old club for them staying up that was brilliant as well so you know really fantastic day last Saturday you, of course, mentioned there it went down to the very wire on the final day. That must have been quite a feeling, especially having lost to Henley the week before um, to lose that unbeaten streak you'd obviously maintained all season. Was that all about sort of dusting yourselves off and going again? 100%. 100%. I mean, that, that day at Henley was a tough day. Uh, didn't play, you know, didn't play great cricket at all, if we're 100% honest. And, you know, said to the lads that 
if we'd have continued that kind of vibe going into the next next couple of games to win the league, then we wouldn't have won it. So it's it's very important that we um yeah, like you said, we put that behind us pretty quickly. We had quite a frank chat after the game about what went wrong and preparation, etc. And you know, we just didn't get it right in the day. So in in some ways it was quite a, a good time to come because it kind of refocused us to go, you know, we're not as good as we think we are. Um, we basically need to, you know, buck our ideas up and go again the next week. And, you know, I think we fully deserve to win the league, in my opinion. You know, we, we lost one game of cricket all year, um, and that was to Henley, and they're obviously a very good side. So we got the job done in the end. But, yeah, it was um, it was a tough one, tough week leading up to that. Training was quite different, but, you know, we, um, we set the tone of the day, and, and the lads were brilliant. So, yeah, fantastic win. Henley, of course, had won the three previous leagues with the league obviously not being completed in 2020. Does breaking a run like that make the title even sweeter for you guys? Of course, of course. Um, like we, we all know around the cricket circuit that Henley are a top, top side. And, you know, like you alluded to earlier, you know, the last time I won it was at Finch. Um, and it's been in Henley dominance since then until this year. So, you know, it, it does feel sweet um, winning it. And it is hard. You know, we've had to play the best cricket we, we have for a long, long time at Wickham to, to do that. And, um, you know, as a club, we just hope that's just the start of something special and we can, you know, it's our turn to dominate. That's what you know, that's, that's what we want. Um, but like like you said, Henley are a, a proper side and, and they've done really well over the last few years to dominate the cricket. You, of course, were captain of the last team to beat Henley to the title when you captained Finch Hampstead to, to the league in 2016. You must be Henley's worst nightmare, surely. I mean, did your experience of beating them once before help you get over the line this time, do you think? I think so. I think so. I think it's, um, you know, a very different kind of win. Uh, I think when we were at Finch, we had an overseas cricketer who, you know, was 30, 32 and very experienced and he helped me a lot. Um, and, you know, he it, realistically, he did a lot of work in winning that league for us. Um, but we, I learned a lot that year from people like him and the older players at Finch and, to bring that over to Wickham, which was it's a lot younger side, um, in terms of you know the, the lack of older figures, as I say. Um, but yeah, definitely t- towards the back end of the year, um, there was a lot of chat about let's go win the league and, and and this and that, and you kind of got too wrapped up in it this year. So you know, from my experience, we we never spoke about that at Finch, probably because we were a bit of an underdog side. But um, you know, going with that approach, and you know, it's a bit a bit cliche, but taking every game as it comes is so important. And I think that um, that's definitely what I brought from, from my Finch days is that you just, all you can do is crack on and keep winning games of cricket, try not to think about winning the league. And, and if you play your best cricket, you'll, you'll get that feat anyway, really. Would you say it's sort of quite a good natured rivalry with yourselves and Henley then? Uh, it, it's, it, if I'm honest with you, it's, it's a tough one because there's been, there's been games that have been quite feisty. Um, and there's probably a few words, obviously I can't repeat on radio that have been thrown around and that. So, um, but in general, in general, off off the pitch, they're good lads to have a beer with. Um, I got a couple of nice messages from some of the Henley lads last Saturday when they won the league. So you know, it is it's a good rivalry, it's a healthy rivalry, and you know, we'll always respect each other off the pitch and you know, have a beer and and chat about the game. So that is quite nice, really. Of course, both Henley and yourselves played teams that needed to win to stay in the division on the final day. Did that sort of um, add an extra edge to the game at all? Yeah, massive, absolutely massive. I mean, it was it was a very strange, and you won't get leagues that come down to the last like that before. You know, like you said, those two games like completely changed the whole dynamics of you know of of the league season. Um, but yeah, it was tough, and you know, it was it was tough playing tame because obviously they they knew if they won, they stayed up as well, so they came quite hard at us, and you know, it 
it made things quite hard for us. And and obviously at the, at the other end of the Finch Finch stuff, the, um, they they had to play the best cricket they could to stay up. So you know it was a really really intriguing last day of the season. Um, and yeah, it was made tough by Tame, you know, wanting to stay up as well. I know the season's only just ended and you're probably still in party mode, but looking ahead, are your sights sort of firmly set on achieving what Henley did and building a bit of a dynasty with Wickham? 100%, 100%. Like I said about the age of our players, we've got quite a young set of lads, which means, you know, hunger-wise and desire and how long you can play the game for is, you know, that's we've got a brilliant setup to go and, to go and, you know, be be strong for five, six, seven years. But, you know, what we can't do is, you know, just rest on this year. And I think we're quite hungry to do it again, like you said. Um, yeah, we've got some fantastic cricketers in, in the side. Um, brilliant club behind us, backing-wise. backing, backing wise. And, you know, there's there's no reason why we can't. We, You know, like you said, we can't be complacent and we can't think that, you know, we are Henley yet because they've dominated, like you said, for a, a long, long time. Dan, thank you so much for joining me and best of luck going forward. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, mate. That was Dan Miles there having a chat a little bit about the incredible accomplishment, really, I suppose, um, that Wickham made. Obviously, breaking Henley's dynasty of three years on the trot winning. Bizarrely, like I mentioned in that, Maria, he was actually the captain of the last team to stop Henley winning the league. Oh, really? When he was, and he's only 26, so he, he can only have been in his early 20s then, so the pretty sky's impressive. the limit for the boys. Yeah, yeah the sky's impressive. the limit for the boy. Of course, we, uh, we could not uh, have a, a show on. Of River Radio, of extra time on River Radio, without delving into our hot topic section, could we? I think it's uh, yeah, it's only right. Topics. We love the hot topic section. I think it's and my favourite section. Yeah, I think it might be, and we hope you like it too. Obviously, <laughs> it certainly um, it certainly is going to be. Uh, there's certainly a lot to get through, though. Of course, obviously, um, talking about the hot topic section, we have to start with Radicanu, don't we? I mean, come on, what an incredible story that is! The first qualifier and youngest British player to win a Grand Slam title. The new British number one, rising one hundred. 27 places 127 That's places incredible. it's ridiculous well, to world number places three. if you actually think about where she came from Wimbledon well of course yeah of course I mean ahead of Joanna Concert and Heather Watson as well before Wimbledon as you mentioned she was 338th in the world and even Piers Morgan decided to have a dig which was brilliant yeah. and have th- that man has enough egg on his face to keep the world of omelettes <laughs> in perpetuity honestly I've never known anything like it you're much more into the tennis than me I'll stick my hands up and admit that can you just, I mean, for, for anyone out there, I suppose a bit like myself, that maybe, because it, it didn't really strike me initially how big an accomplishment it was until I sort of realised just what had on. happened. I mean, yeah. can you just sort of explain how big an achievement that is for her? Well, I think you said it in the in the first sentence, really, the first qualifier and youngest British woman to ever win a Grand Slam title. This show is making me depressed tonight because you're you're <laughs> off to 18. the you're off to the Commonwealth. She's eighteen and won the US Open. Yeah, I'm going to get a McDonald's on my way home. Do you know what I mean? For two point five million. Well, yeah, that's that's. Um, I mean, I mean, we were speaking to Sam earlier, weren't we? And he he said it's it's heading to the billions that she's going to be earning. Yeah, well, well, Sam said that she's got about another ten years in her. Well, she's only eighteen. Oh, you think more than that, would you? Not? Yeah, it depends. I don't know. Because She's Serena got to keep and, winning. Serena you know? and Venus, they'll be. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what's so interesting about the women's game at the moment is that you have absolutely no idea who is going to win because the game is so open. You've got players like Sabalenka, mm. Ash Barty. Ash Barty, yeah. Yeah, you've got Bencic, the the um, lady that um, Radicanu beat in the semi finals, who's the Olymp- Tokyo Olympic gold medalist from Swiss. She's playing up there now, and obviously you've got in the final of the U.S. Open was two teenagers. That's uh, incredible. Layla Fernandez as well. Incredible. 
played absolutely some unreal tennis as well. And those two, it's actually really funny. The last time they played each other was the junior Wimbledon final. <laughs> the junior. Was it really? Well, that's incredible. It was yeah. only about one yeah, year yeah, ago. That's incredible. 2018. And that's if you think about the pandemic, it was probably the last tournament they played. You've got to feel a bit for her, haven't you, Leila Fernandez? Fernandez yeah. Because, I mean, I've done, take nothing away from Radicanu because it's an incredible achievement. But to get to a final, at that, if, if she played anyone else... Everyone would be going, oh, it's amazing how young she's yeah. got to a final. But because someone the same age as her, a teenager, beat her, it doesn't suddenly yeah. doesn't seem as special, does it? It was like two teenagers yeah. playing yeah. each other. But to yeah. get to that level, I mean, Raducanu didn't even drop a set. 2-0, 2-0. Just, and now I think there's just going to be a lot of talk about her game. I mean, I watched nearly every match she played in, mm. obviously... We've teased me about it. I follow Greece, a lot of the Greek mm-hmm. players, and she played Sakari in the mm-hmm. semi-finals, who's world number seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I obviously, I got up. It, I was in Greece at the time, and I got up. It was played at about four in the morning. I got up to watch it, and I was just, yeah, I thought Sakari was gonna dominate it, but Raducanu just stepped up her level. She was dominant, I, and I guess in my head a little bit, it, it kind of, thi- I kind of think. Was it because there was no pressure on her and Mm. she was kind of a little bit of a nobody? Yes, she got to the fourth round at Wimbledon, but then she kind of buckled under the pressure Mm -hmm. against Sabalenka, lost 2-0, kind of forfeited a little bit. And she she openly admitted to the fact that she couldn't handle the pressure Mm -hmm. now. She's going to be a household name now. She She is a household name now, yeah. Well... What's, what's going to happen? I mean, the next Grand Slam is in, in January in Australia. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a little bit of time to go now before maybe... Regroup and... Yeah, yeah, but obviously there's some... Uh, the, the WTA finals and mm-hmm. also you've got the um, the WTA tour as well yeah. that's going to happen. We haven't seen much of her in those. She's not even really won it. Won any matches She's on still the WTA? <laughs> she she just like, finished her A levels yeah. in Bromley down the road. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what were you doing yeah. when you finished? All right, your yeah, all right. No, um, I wasn't doing it. No, I, I definitely wasn't doing anything. I think I was just uh, just looking forward to going to university, which is obviously uh, which is obviously what most eighteen year olds are looking forward to yeah. doing. Um, it's, it's interesting you mention that. It's something I, I did want to ask. I mean, I've seen it with football players before. I mean, and I know obviously they're, they're different sports because it's focused on just one person. But when you, you look at them, and you know they're meant to be the next big thing. Uh, uh, the youngster Freddie Adu comes to mind, who who was meant to be he was he was going to win the next ten Ballon d'Ors. He was meant to be yeah the next the, the, the next big thing, and he never amounted to anything. And I'm not saying Raducanu is going to go anywhere near that. Is that a genuine worry though? Because she's obviously already set. She obviously already had problems with handling pressure. Not not to an extent. She she put herself first, and that's obviously stood her in amazing stead for this tournament. Yeah. because she's gone on and won it but just d- winning something so early now she's going to be go- like you said she- she's going into the Australian Open now with people looking at her going well you got to win it you got to win it she's going into Wimbledon next year going we want a female winner of Wimbledon that's yeah. British she- she'll be going back to the US Open next year going you need to defend your title yeah 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 all the pressure is will it, is be it, on is it a sort of thing where it's you, you know it's very very plausible that she, she, she could crumble under this pressure I think it depends entirely on what team she's got around mm-hmm. her, how much she delves. Well, now all the agencies will be coming after her, wanting to mm-hmm. kind of help her and support her, but also kind of represent her. And She's probably already got representation, mm. but it's kind of then how much... She only had 2,000 Instagram followers now. She's got 1.8 million. <laughs> it's, meant, it's Leicester-esque, isn't it? Like when they won the title. Yeah. Like it's that similar sort of accomplishment. It's, it's ridiculous. And, but it's not, it's, 
it's an external pressure and whether or not she'll now be in charge of her Instagram account I'm pretty but sure she would probably was in it yes before. I imagine she was yeah but now it's it's kind of those pressures in you're gonna get a lot of hate with it as well you know what I mean the comments and stuff like that every course, it's, yeah, it's part of it does, it shouldn't yeah. be part of sport unfortunately but it, it is yeah, but it is part of sport that's a whole different conversation and if she, <laughs> yeah. if she goes on to the next tournament and loses first round second round third round you don't really want to know what the trolls the kind of people sat behind the keyboards no, are going to say, but whether or not she can manage that and whether or not there's someone supporting her, I think it a lot comes from family, how much time she spends there. But I think really what she's done, if tomorrow she crumbles and says, I'm never playing another it's tennis match, it's that. absolutely incredible. Well, I, I actually think in a way, I know obviously I mentioned her, her saying about Wimbledon, the pressure was too much. I think it takes more strength to do that than yeah. to play in it. To actually be able to turn around and say... I can't do this. I think shows more. Obviously, she's under even more pressure now. But it, it takes a, it takes a hell of a person to be able to to. to I mean, for, for all she knows, that could have been her chance. Do you know what I mean? That could have been it. So, yeah, that so is true. It's, that is it's, true. It really is. It really is one of those things. I mean, well, one thing I did want to ask you about is about her sort of style of play. It's sort of predominantly sort of open play. Do you think if she's going to go right to the very top and maintain this, the winning these grand slams, like like she obviously can because she's done it. Does she need to sort of add more variety into her game? You know, sort of like a slices, volleys, all that sort of stuff. Well, I think definitely. I think I was I was reading some articles about. Her. I was actually fascinated about her kind of journey into, into tennis. No one had really heard of her before Wimbledon, and even after Wimbledon, she was our great hope then. But still, there wasn't much said about her until the U.S. Open and this mm. incredible run she went on. But watching her match and watching her play Leila Fernandez as well. You can see she's got a very dominant serve. Her serve and her backhand are very, very good. And and you can see it by the tactics that the opponents are playing. They're mm-hmm. trying to play a middle, they're trying to play a forehand, they're trying to get a serve back. But there's not a lot of volleying and there's not a lot of slicing, changing the tempo. I found it all very one tempo. Clearly it worked. And oh, I, yeah, it must have done. Yeah, to <laughs> And I was, I was reading an article Sue Barker had written and she was saying that... From Turkey. <laughs> really? Yep. Ah. Yeah. And she was saying... <laughs> Just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> Do you like talking? Yeah, oh, I love it, mate. It's home from home. <laughs> and, and she was saying that it will be interesting when you come up against slightly different players, people who are going to change their rhythm. She's going to be studied to the nth degree now. 100%. People are going to be watching her matches and finding her weaknesses yeah. and her part, the, the yeah. holes in her game, and they're going to be attacking them. These players aren't just going to let this 18-year-old walk, walk in oh, and, become the, the, yeah. and become the world number one no without way. a fight. There's players that I'm going to come back to Maria Sakari, who's been on that front line pushing and pushing semifinals, mm-hmm. fourth rounds, more semifinals, pushing and pushing. These players are not going to give up their 10 <laughs> years that they've not, been no. playing or, or more and just say, oh, you're 18, it's amazing, you've won a Grand Slam, come and, come and win the next 30 Grand Slams. Mm. No, obviously everyone's pushing, but that's the, for me, is the amazement of women's tennis at the moment. Yeah. Men's ten- tennis still has those kind of dominant figures. I mean, now Federer and Nadal can then, be well, beaten, yeah, Djokovic but Djokovic, as well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I watched that match as well, Med- Medvedev played unbelievable, but Djokovic didn't look on form to no, me, no, if he's on form, long, it's been a long year for him as well, yeah, it, if fairness. he's on form, he's, he's, he did he's go out crushing. earlier from in Tokyo there as well, didn't he, yeah, so it's not, it's maybe, I think a, a year catching up with him then, but I mean, it's, what an exciting time for women's tennis, as you amazing, it really it's is. so open, I can't wait for the next matches, no, I mean, I, I was incredibly surprised, because, as, as I've mentioned earlier in the show, the fact that 
we saw the return of Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. Yeah. And that was eclipsed by an 18-year-old winning the US Open, I think, yeah. is just incredible. Not, it, would t- it took a lot to eclipse that. He scored two on his debut, but all anyone's talking about oh, is Raducanu. So, so fair play to her. I think it's great for women's sport, really, as oh, well. Oh, of course it is. I mean, Ronaldo is. Is, is a goat. He's, he's amazing. Of course, He's yeah. so good as well. And it's, it's a great, if you're a Manchester United fan, you probably didn't really care about Raducanu. <laughs> Even then, though, I just think it was that big. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think I think I, I remember, I, I, I was literally just, um, I was I was sat, sat I was just sat in a bar in Kensington with my girlfriend and she and honestly girlfriend? yeah all right yeah don't start um, and and that, that we, we were just sort of watching it watching it sort of we're getting updates coming through and everything and I was I'd, I'd heard about I'd, I'd heard briefly of Radicon as I mentioned I'm not the biggest tennis fan yeah, in the world yeah. I'm thinking sorry this this one I, I knew she was not in the top 100 in the world I mean she's about to win. The US, the US Open. Yeah, unbelievable. It's just ridiculous. And the crowd was against her as well, which makes this it is what all I can't get my head better. around. Yeah, she she had there was every factor in the world was saying she shouldn't have won that tournament, yeah. and she did. So if she can do and that. She won it emphatically. She won it. She did. Yeah, she That's did. That's the best part about it. No sets drop from the qualifiers. <laughs> Ten matches. It was like, oh, there we're done. Finish. Great. The fairy tale ending, really. It is, it is. And best of luck to her. Obviously, hoping to do that all over again. We'll certainly see if she can um, going forward, like you said, into the Australian Open and the majors through the rest of it. I mean, it, the, the one thing is, you know, you say what you want about Rodicanu, say what you want about Cristiano Ronaldo. The one sports event that will eclipse both of those is the return of the River Radio Predictions League. That's right, it is the return of the Predictions League on River Radio. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, Raducanu, Cristiano Ronaldo, John Swift, eat your heart out here. We're here to bring you what everyone's been waiting for. That Ed's predictions this week, unfortunately, he's unable to join us, but he's the one who's picked them. Just a quick reminder of the rules as well. Each week, a member of the team will pick out a set of fixtures, as Ed has, uh, due to take place in the coming days, with each player making predictions for the outcome of each game. A completely correct prediction will earn a player three points. That's the score and everything correctly. Um, whilst correctly just forecasting the outcome so the team to win will get you one point and failure to, to do either naturally wins zero points of course last time last time the predictions league came to a halt Maria you lost so you've got to make sure you know we had you in, in here in a full tracksuit with your medal you didn't have to bring the medal but you did you know well, regardless I got got told I had well, to bring did the you? medal I don't know that's a bit of a stretch um, obviously just, just quickly rather than that time so just, just going into the fixtures you're obviously going to be eager to, to sort of Pick yourself win. up. I'm and here to win. You're here to win, yeah. I'm here yeah. to win. You the hottest you... thing that's happening in the Thames Valley at the moment is this prediction league. It's I, not hard, but I know what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting one. Um, naturally, we've, we've, got the, we've got the four fixtures to go for. Starting off, I mean, these aren't fixtures I will say that we know too much about either, are they? I think we had a great discussion about yeah. them earlier, really. Yeah. Yeah, what's a basketball score, I think you said to me. Um, so, so starting with basketball, Hamill Storm take on the Thames Valley Cavaliers, a club that we're, uh, we're sort of interested in looking at at some stage as well. What have you gone for for that one? I've gone for a win for the Thames Valley, uh, 101 to 88. Yeah, I mean, I've no idea what basketball score is. 84 to 72 I've gone for, and there's nothing I can say to back that up. Uh, Maidenhead Rugby obviously take on Dorking on the 18th of September as well. What have you gone for on that one? I've gone for, although uh, Maidenhead 
is a local team. I have gone for Dorking winning uh, 38-11. That, that's rugby. Okay. I, I'm going to be... Yeah, sorry, that is rugby. I probably should have mentioned yeah. I did say Maidenhead rugby. Anyway, regardless. Um, I, I, again, um, obviously you mentioned that they're not doing great at the minute. It's got to turn around at some point, hasn't it? Um, I've gone for 31-14. Very quickly, Abingdon United against Wickham Wanderers Women. What have you gone for in that one? I backed, backed the women from Wickham uh, 2-0. The WWW. Yeah. Wickham Wanderers Women. Oh, what a great name. <laughs> I've gone for 1-0 there for those ones. Um, and finally, in the cricket, uh, New Zealand women against England women. I've gone England women, no score because it's cricket. No score because it's cricket. You can give a go at the score if you want. I, I wouldn't even know what a cricket <laughs> score is, I'll be honest with you. And what have you gone for then? So, yeah, I've, got, I've gone for England women in that one as well. I, I, I struggle to say. I mean, I, I think England at cricket... Speaking generally, of uh, course. Quite good. Yeah, I just, I'm just looking. I mean, I wonder in the men, we've got to be looking at Dan Miles, Highwick and Cricket Club. He's the captain of the team to the league. Got to be looking at him, yeah, Joe yeah. Root, and you. You've yeah. got to be looking at him, get him in that team. Um, obviously, we are very closely, very closely approaching the end of the show here on uh, on Extra Time on River Radio. Oh, it's been it's good to be back. Yeah, it? it's definitely been good to be back. <laughs> Our lovely little studio here in Marlow. Love it. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's, it's been great to be back. And thank you all for joining us as well. It really has been a pleasure. We've, uh, we, we've got through loads. We've, we've been able to speak about all the things that we've, uh, that we've wanted to and obviously um, approached all the issues in the wider world and of sport you... as well. Sport doesn't stop at the Thames Valley. That's what you need to remember. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today, Maria. No worries. And if, if anyone's listening, we, we do have the podcast.